Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hi, guys. We're so glad you could be here today. Nice to see you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before we start the um, service today, uh, don't leave. I'll change. <laughs> Uh, before we start the service today, I want to show you a little uh, one-minute video about last week's uh, celebration. Wasn't that a great celebration? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are no longer slave to the lender. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your, your brother-in-law <clears throat> sent a congratulations letter from Chicago uh, about the mortgage paid off and sent in uh, a money order for $250. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I, uh, uh, his, his name is Ken, and Ken would send letters every so often to the church, and he would send money orders to the church every so often. He's from Chicago. Well, I knew Dr. Richie Cathy was from Chicago, so then one day I said to Dr. Rich, I said, I've been getting this stuff from this guy, Ken. Do, do you know him? He says, that's my brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Yes, he always orders the CDs, wants to, wants to know what's going on for next year and keeping up with everything. Watch his live stream. So praise God. He's coming down sometime. Yes, yeah, so expect to meet him. Before we get there, we expect to meet him here. Yes. Amen. God is good. Amen. I want to welcome you all on live stream, a podcast. So glad you could join with us today. It is always an honor and privilege to share the word of God with you. And just like everyone in the house, we're also believing that the word of God will touch you right where you're at. The anointing of God will move inside of you and there'll be a change in your believing, a change in your perspective and a change in your understanding that will move you up and move you further into the things of God. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, we're going to start over in Mark chapter 1 this morning. I got several verses, uh, no surprise, but I got several verses I'm going to share with you today. Um, and I want to kind of go down a, a road and a path to where we need to lead to. So Mark chapter 1, verses 27 to 31, uh, Jesus was just in a, uh, a synagogue meeting. And... Um, he actually cast out a demon. There was a man there in the synagogue and started yelling at Jesus and what do we have to do with you? And he cast the demon out. And it says here in verse 27 to 31, and they were all amazed so that the, they debated among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. You know, he didn't teach anything. All he did was cast the devil out, <laughs> you know. And he says a new teaching with authority and he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding districts of Galilee. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand and the fever left her and she waited on them. So Jesus and the disciples had just come from the synagogue, great meeting, cast out demon, right? 
Authority was displayed for all to, to see. And then they come into Simon's house and his mother-in-law missed church because she was sick with a fever. Jesus touches her, the fever leaves her, and she gets up and attends to them. You could see the fake news of the day, the headlines. Preacher pulls woman out of bed so that she could wait on him. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what they would have said. <laughs> But, you know, in the home, the woman always took care of the guest. And Simon's mother-in-law knew her place and assignment in life. So not only did she get healed of her fever, but all weakness left her. And she stepped aggressively into her assignment. As soon as that weakness left her, boom, she stepped right on into her. She didn't sit there and go, well, let's give this a little bit and see how much better I start feeling. No, she stepped right on in to the assignment that she had. You know, Jesus wants every single one of us to be well. The number one reason he wants you well is because it's covenant. That's part of the covenant. Isn't that right? And the number two reason he wants you to be well, because he wants you to step into your assignment. He don't want you just to be able to sit home and, and lay back and watch Netflix for 15 hours without pain. He wants you to step into your assignment. Yes. Amen. So it's covenant and it is assignment. Two reasons that he wants you to be well. Hallelujah. That's the way, that's the way it is when God wants everything in our life, for covenant and for assignment. In Matthew chapter 25, you know the account, verses 14 and 15, and you know the account of the talents that Jesus gave talents. And you know, talents is not abilities like singing. Talents was money. He gave them money to, to go and deal with. Isn't that right? And in verses 14 and 15 of ch chapter 25, it says, For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Now, we know that the one that had five traded him and got ten. The one that had two traded him and got five. And the Lord was well pleased with them and said uh, <clears throat> about stepping into the joy of your master. Isn't that right? Because there is reward for stepping into our assignment. There's not a reward for having an assignment. There's a reward for stepping into it and working at your assignments. Amen. And he says here that each one of them, why did one receive five, another two, and another one? Is God partial? No. He gave them according to their own ability. So according to what they can handle, that's what he gave them. Hallelujah. So if he gave you according to what's in you, then you already have enough to step into your assignment. You don't have to wait for any more. You already have enough. Amen. You know how more comes? More comes when you decide to and step into your assignment. When you step into it, then more comes. Because there's more rewards as you step into it, and more ability is produced inside of you. Amen. Amen. Verse 29. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. So if we don't step into our assignment, you remember the guy with the one talent? He didn't step into doing anything with it. He hid it, right? So the bottom line is, what happened to the one that he got according to his own ability? He lost it. He gave it to the one with 10. 
He didn't give it, well, let me give it to this guy here. He don't have enough. No, he gave it to the faithful. The faithful abounds in blessings. Isn't that right? So therefore, the faithful got the one that the unfaithful would not do anything with. So if we don't step into our assignment, then I can lose even what has already been given to me. Amen. You know, Deuteronomy 28 says in verse 47 and 48 that we need to serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart. And if we don't, then we will serve our enemies until the loss of all things. But if we serve the Lord in joy and gladness of heart, it will be unto the abundance of all things. Amen. Amen. And why does God give us assignments? Because of abilities that are within us. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. All things become new and all the new things are from God. And we know that that's talking about the salvation of the, the real us, the spirit being, the eternal part of man. Isn't that right? And uh, Mark chapter 1, as we saw about si Simon's mother-in-law, that she got healed because that's the physical part of salvation. But in James 1.21, turn over there for a minute, James chapter 1, verse 21, and we want to look at the second part of that verse in James 1.21, the second part says, In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. So the word implanted has, it's able, it has the inherent ability to save your soul. He's not talking about your spirit. He's talking about your soul, your mind, your emotions, and your will. So the inherent ability of that word that you just take into yourself has within it the ability to renew your mind to mend your emotions, to strengthen your will in the things of God, and to restore your soul. Hallelujah. And that is the threefold part of salvation for man, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that right? Well, go over to Psalm 105 and verse 37. Psalm 105, verse 37. Hallelujah. We love the Word because the Word just does the talking for you. Isn't that right? Psalm 105, 37. Then he brought them out, talking, bringing them out of Egypt. He brought them out with silver and gold, and among his tribes there was not one who stumbled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this was a physical deliverance. Not one that stumbled. Not one was feeble, no matter what age they were. It wasn't, they didn't stumble up to a certain age. They weren't feeble, you know, unless they were this age. No, there was not one. That stumble, not one was feeble. Physical deliverance. There was a soulish deliverance for Israel when they came out of Egypt, because let's face it, the pressure is off their minds. The pressure is off of their emotions of living under the taskmasters, of never knowing what life was going to be like. You know, eat as many pomegranates as you can today, because tomorrow it may be no more. You know, you never knew. So you were always under great pressure. It was a type of the new birth for spiritual deliverance and freedom because Egypt was a type of the world. But they also came out with the silver and gold because we know it says that they spoiled the Egyptians and they left with a high hand. They left with all the silver and the gold. Amen. Because there was a financial deliverance also. They left with all the riches of Egypt. 
And the people of Egypt said, here, take everything, just get out of here, because we know we're going to be dead next. <laughs> Isn't that right? So you would think that when Israel leaves Egypt with all of the wealth of Egypt, you would think, oh my goodness, their problems are over. All their problems are solved. But that's how a lot of people think. If I just had so much money, everything would be good. If I just had this, everything would be taken care of. And that's not the truth. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, run over there, verse 18, Deuteronomy 8, 18. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God. Now, they're still in the wilderness here. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He's given you the power. He didn't say, I have given you the power. He says, I'm giving you the power. Now, you have to understand, he's talking to millionaires. They left with all the wealth of Egypt. He's talking to millionaires. They had everything. But yet God says, I'm giving to you the power to make wealth as if they didn't have anything. You would think, cert oh, certainly they have enough. Now, you talk with most people that have poverty mentality, and they'll say things like, well, when's enough enough? Don't you have enough? What, do you always want more? You always need more? See, that's poverty mentality thinking because that's not the way God thinks. God says, I'm giving to you and to us the power to make wealth. Well, if he's talking to people that walked out with the riches of Egypt, it leaves a question. What does God consider wealth? Obviously, our poverty mentality don't cut the mustard with God. God's not happy with you being satisfied with one spoon, one fork, one dish, and one glass. He's not happy with that. Jesus didn't die so you could have a glass, a fork, a spoon, and a dish. Yeah, well, Pastor, you know, I don't want to be. No, you are. Because you're like, I don't want to be proud. And no, you are being proud. And the reason you're being proud is because you're thinking contrary to the Word of God. See, that's pride. When you think contrary to the Word, you think you're being humble, but you're not. You're actually being pride. Because pride can be on either side of the ditch. Humility is, what does God say? I say the same thing. That's humility. So what does God consider wealth? God does not have poverty thinking. Here's the deal with God. Just enough is not enough. Now, why is just enough just enough for people? Because you only think about yourself. That's pride. You don't have enough to meet people's needs. You don't have enough to reach out into the world. You just don't have enough. So when are you going to step up and start believing God for more than your one dish, one glass, one fork, and one spoon? See, you, you can't stay in poverty mentality and think you're going to fulfill the assignment that God has. Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me? They were in the wilderness where they needed food, they needed water, they needed meat. And guess what? In the wilderness, money can't buy anything, not even love. <laughs> right amen they 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 couldn't buy anything they they could not keep their eye on their wealth as their source 
their wealth did not mean a whole lot, and their wealth produced even less. They needed to look to God in everything and for everything. They had to learn to trust God and learn to obey God. This is what God's trying to teach them in the wilderness, that he is their source. It does not matter what you have. I am your source. Stop looking to the stuff and start looking to me as your source. And that's what he's trying to teach them, that they would learn to trust him, to obey him, to walk in his ways. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, during the times of the Great Depression, people had a lot of money. You just couldn't buy with it. It took a wheelbarrow of money to buy a loaf of bread. So therefore, the money's pretty much useless. You know that your money today is down to about 10 cents on the dollar? That's what your money's worth today. And it's decreasing. You got to learn to look to God. Stop looking at who's in the White House or who's in the outhouse. It don't matter. You need to look to God. No matter what's in your hand. Because that ain't going to last long. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord wanted Israel to learn the correct use of wealth and deal wisely with their riches. Their wealth had an assignment. The assignment was not to take the place of God as their source. It does not matter how much you have. It is not your source. It is a tool that God can use. It is not to be the source for fulfilling our needs. God was and still is the need meter. Philippians 4 says he will supply all of your needs. Amen. Even when the Israel got into the promised land, God was still the one they had to look to. When they looked to themselves, things did not work out well. Isn't that right? Yeah. They defeated nations. They took the spoils of the nations. <clears throat> they were already wealthy. But yet God has given them wealth. The spoils of the nations. They already left Egypt with the wealth of Egypt, but now he's given them the wealth of the nations. Why? Because it's just not enough. You know, the father said to the prodigal son's brother, son, all that is mine is yours. Oh, if we could only get a reality of that. All that is God's is yours. And we all say, yes, amen, glory to God. But then look at where we're at. There's some growth that needs to take place here. We need to increase, get that into our thinking. All that is God's is ours. If you weren't here Monday night, you need to get the CD or go back and watch a live stream of when Dr. Jim taught on dominion and start getting that working in your life more than what you're working in today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wanted to give them all the spoils of of the nations, but not Jericho. They could not have the spoils of Jericho. Isn't that right? It was the first victory. And all of Jericho's spoils belong to the Lord because the first fruits belongs to God. See, it's the power of giving is the power to make wealth, to honor God with our giving. But Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was first fruits. 
So they didn't just tithe off of what they received from Jericho. They didn't give a tenth of what was what they took from Jericho. But the Lord got the first fruits. The first fruits is the, the first. This is the first conquest. The Lord gets the first fruits of it. Amen. Amen. You know, whenever I worked on a job, when I was an auto mechanic and I worked on a job, if I got a raise, that first raise went to the Lord. When I had my automotive business, the first week of income that came into the business went to the Lord. When I became a, a full-time minister, my first paycheck went to the Lord. When I got onto Social Security, my first Social Security check went to the Lord. When the government in their great wisdom decides to give me a raise in Social Security, yeah. the first raise goes to the Lord. Are you with me? We just paid off the mortgage on this facility that God has blessed us with. And we took the first payment that we would normally pay on the mortgage. Well, that first payment that we now save was sent out as a first fruit offering. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First fruit offering tithing, sowing of seed is the power to make wealth because it's the power of the seed, the germ that produces new fruit. It's the principle of increase in the kingdom of God. And even though they gave the first fruit offering from Jericho, they were still required to walk in obedience. They did not walk in obedience to the Lord, and then the little city of Ai done about whipped them to the bone. They came back licking their wounds because they weren't walking in obedience. Are you with me? So even though you do these things, the giving, the first fruits, the tithe, the you're still required to walk in obedience. That never stops. Amen. And obedience isn't about God trying to control you. It's God trying to help you. God's trying to get you on path where it's going to be beneficial to you. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 24, Proverbs eleven twenty-four. 24. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs eleven twenty-four. 24. It says, there's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. And it results only in want. Now, that does not make sense to many people, even to many Christians. You know, you've been trained by the world. That stuff just does not make sense. And we have to renew our minds to the word of God. Now, you've heard the expression, it's better to give than it is to receive. And we all love receiving. Don't look so holy at me. We all love receiving, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> but if all I want to do is receive in my life, then my life is limited to what I receive. But if I'm a giver, then my life is unlimited in what I'm able to receive. Because it says there, I will increase all the more. But if I withhold what is justly due, it's going to wind up in want. So the world always tells you, hold it, hold it, keep it, hoard it, put it away, put it away, stash it. You know, <clears throat> but that's not God's way. God's way is, so, scatter. It'll increase all the more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exodus 32. Getting a Bible workout today. 
Some of you have to use WD-40 on those pages. <laughs> Exodus 32, verses 2 to 4. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, Aaron said to them, this is when they're in the wilderness. Remember when Moses is up on the mountain, Joshua is up on the side of the mountain, and these guys are in the camp. And all of a sudden, they're fearful. They don't know what happened to Moses. Like, this is going to help. But this is what they did. And Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people tore off the gold rings, which was in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. You just made him. How could he do it? <laughs> you know, this makes no sense. But, you know, when you're in those conditions, you do stuff that makes no sense at all. In fact, when Moses came down and said, what is this you've done? Aaron said, I don't know. It just kind of popped out of the fire, you know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Just, just showed up, you know. <laughs> so what the people are saying here is that their gold and the power of their hand is what delivered them out of Egypt. And they forgot about God. They're in a position of stress. So therefore, they've turned to their wealth as their answer. Very important. Don't let stress take your eyes off of God and look at your own self, your own power, and your own wealth as your answer. That's the design of stress, to get you to pull away in your focus to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Even in the wilderness. Listen, you could be in the wilderness. There's wilderness living. There's promised land living. And in the wilderness living, things are scarce. You're looking to God for your manna every day just to get by. But don't let stress store up more than you ought to. Because it will be ruined. So even in the wilderness, you cannot afford to get stressed. In the promised land, you can't afford to get stressed. Now, some people think, well, if I'm in the promised land and I have what I need, I mean, I'm not going to get stressed. Yes, you will, because you'll use it foolishly and wind up in a position now where you're scratching again for money. If God's not the focus point. Amen. They could not use their wealth to buy a solution to their stress. And they're not buying their way out of this one either. It cost them their life. Isn't that right? Thank God for the new covenant that sin does not cost us our life. It cost Jesus his life and he paid the price for us. You know, God wanted Israel to be covenant people, not covetous people. He wanted a spiritual agreement between them. And not one that you buy with money. Money was not doing them any good. You could say, with this example, they were not using their wealth very well. They turned their wealth into an idol. Amen. And how is it that you turn your wealth into an idol? You look to it as your source. And it is now your idol, and it's between you and God. 
it's, it's gotten in the middle. It's become a wedge now between you and God. You want to say, I need, but then there's that money, that wealth that you look at instead of looking at him. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, 16 through 18. Now we're into the Joshua generation. There's a different generation than the ones that left Egypt with Moses. And the Joshua generation makes this statement in Joshua 1, verses 16 through 18. They answered Joshua saying, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. We were going to print that up one time and give it to all new people that came in the church. No. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Don't send me any bad, nasty letters. That's just a joke. <laughs> but this is the Joshua generation. See, these are people of covenant now, not covetous people. And we ought to be covenant people. And what do covenant people do? Covenant people live by conviction, not by convenience. Because convenience will always lead to compromise and sin. We ought to live by our convictions not by our conveniences. Living by conviction is not always convenient, but it is always beneficial. Yes. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. You know, you can get Wednesday night service. We've been talking about that a couple of weeks now. The Joshua generation entered into the promised land with the wealth to be used for God's assignment. What was God's assignment? Build God's temple. And now, of course, building the living temple. Isn't that right? That's God's assignment. Have you ever had money to come into you? And maybe it starts to build up a little bit. But then all of a sudden circumstances pop up and it takes some of the money, if not all of the money. And then we come up with the reasoning. Well, thank God the money was there to pay for it. God knew that was going to happen and that's why he gave me the money in order to pay for it. Well, that sounds so holy. It sounds so right. But yet it's so wrong. You were just stolen from. The enemy came and he stole from you what God was blessing you with. And because you didn't understand authority and didn't understand dominion, you just let the devil steal it and you figured, well, it was God doing it. And it's all wrong. Are you with me? God was blessing you and increasing you and the devil steals it away from you. And because we didn't know what to do about it, we reason it. It's okay. But what does it say in Proverbs 29, 18? You can turn over there. It says, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. To perish means to loosen, to let go, and to dismiss. But in Proverbs and in this verse, it gives the sense of letting something slip through your fingers by ignoring an opportunity because of being undisciplined. Where there is no vision, we let things slip through our fingers by ignoring opportunities because we're not disciplined. 
Many times when there's no assignment attached to our wealth, yeah. it's up to be stolen. And we didn't realize that it was stolen because there was never a plan to begin with. Right. Never had a vision about it. So no matter what comes along, we just throw the money at it and just figure, well, that's what the money was there for. That's like saying, the only reason I own a TV is so that if somebody wants to come in the house and take it, they can. But at least I have one that they can take. <laughs> Does anybody think like that? I mean, we could pray for you if you think like that. Nobody thinks like that. But when it comes to the circumstances of life and stuff, oh, yeah, well, at least the money was there. It just got stolen from you. You just gave him your big screen TV. You just gave him your computer. You just gave him whatever. And got stolen because you had no plan and no assignment attached to your wealth. Your money is not there to be stolen. Your money is there to honor God. And your money has assignment in the kingdom of God. But again, without a vision, we'll throw it at whatever comes along. And then reason that that must have been the assignment. Oh, the refrigerator broke down, but I have the money now to go buy a new one. So that must have been what the money was for. So you've just made up an assignment to reason and justify rather than know in your spirit what's of God and what's not. And when it comes to your wealth, you've got to seek the Lord yeah. for assignments. Amen. You know, like I, I told you back in 2021, well, for the last number of years, we were expecting a certain investment to come to pass. And through that investment that the church was going to get paid off, things we had personally that had built up because of the last economic turndown, you know, that all that was going to get paid off and, and, and all was going to. And in January of 2021 or somewhere around there, as I was just thinking about some things, the Lord said to me, why are you waiting? I said, what? He said, you're in waiting mode. Faith is not waiting. Faith is action. So as I was just kind of mulling those things over, it was the fact that I was believing to be out of debt personally and ministry, totally out of debt. That's what I was believing God for. And um, I realized I was just waiting that I needed to start acting on it. So I said, okay, I am not waiting anymore for somebody else to do something so that I can get something and then I'm able to do something. I said, I'm going to start believing God. And from the beginning of 2021 until now, church is debt free. We're debt-free personally. Everything got paid off. Everything was taken care of. The money that was not coming before all of a sudden started coming when I started believing God. Where we were just chipping along, chipping along, chipping along. All of a sudden, we were chunking along. Chunks were going in to different things and got paid. Of course, we started believing God. No longer waiting, but started doing. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. You have to attach assignment, vision to your finances. That's that whole reason of the seed book where you write down where you sow your seed, what you're believing God for. You're attaching vision 
Now, some people say, well, you know, I just don't believe in that. Well, <laughs> look what the Lord has done. You know, you believe what you want. You can stay where you're at. God still loves you. But I'm telling you, it can be better. Amen. You got to seek the Lord for assignment. Do not fret if you don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Well, don't fret over it. You just need to before, be before the Lord and seeking the Lord. And he'll, he'll let you know. In the meantime, don't allow your money to be stolen. You've got authority. You've got dominion. Take dominion over those things that want to break down in your house. Take, take dominion over that car. Take dominion over all kinds of things. Stop letting your money get stolen. Amen. Being covenant people. Giving and continuously increasing. Attach God's assignment to your money and then use it for that. You've got to use it for what you've attached the assignment to. And God will bring increase back to you. If God says you can go on vacation, then sow a seed towards it. Yeah. Don't go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go on vacation. Yeah, I got the money for that. What are you doing? You're letting your money go for something that's not an assignment of God. If you believe you should go on vacation, you ought to start sowing seed and believe in God to bring the money. But I have the money. Why do you use your money? Why are you using your money? What happens when you use all your money? You got no money left. <laughs> I mean, this is not deep. This is not hard to understand. Why are you using your money? Sow seed and believe God for the money to come in. Well, I can't wait that long. Without a vision, you're undisciplined and things will slip through your fingers. Okay. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. <laughs> the whole idea is don't lean to your own ability and your own wealth. Even if you're sowing a seed for something, it might come in a little bit at a time, and you'll have to discipline yourself not to spend it on something else. You believe God for something, and you spend it on something else, you make yourself out to be a liar, and then God can't trust you. And you're like, oh, God, I need you. He's like, yeah, that's what you said the last time. You didn't. You have to hold to your word. It's amazing how we want our words of faith to work, but then the, we don't hold to our own word. And then the soil gets real confused because he doesn't know if you mean it or not. Amen. So if I'm going to sow a seed and believe God for something, now especially if you're not used to doing this, it's going to take a while. Right? So guess what? Stop planning on tomorrow and start planning next year. Yeah. Start looking down the road. Stop being like the teenager that can't see past the nose on their face. Start looking ahead. Look at where you're going. Let the word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Start seeing where you're going and where you want to head up at and where you want to go to and start believing God for that time. Start sowing today. Yeah. So you start planning your life months or year in advance. Instead of like, well, I want to do this and I'm going to go do it because I got the money. You just stole your own money. You did. You just threw it down the train. Are you with me? Does it make sense to you? So suppose it's in your heart to give $1,000. Thank you, Jesus. Or 20, whatever it might be. But suppose it's in your heart to give $1,000. And you sow seed because you don't have the $1,000. 
You know, just because you don't have it, does that mean you can't give it? Well, I can't give it today, but I'm going to believe God because Corinthians says he supplies seed to the sower. So if I'm believing God to sow $1,000 into something, I can believe God for seed to come. It may come $20, it may come $50, but I have to put that on the side, or I can start giving it as it comes in and I keep track of it. Amen. Start putting the money on. Give an assignment to your money. And don't spend it on something else. Don't cut off your blessing by not keeping your word. I had a man come to me. It was in an ICFM convention. It was back in 1994, I believe it. No, three, four, five, six. 1996. It was an annual convention. And I had known him for a while. And um, he comes to me after the meeting. He goes, the Lord spoke to me in the meeting, and he wants me to put $1,000 into your building fund. I'm like, glory to God, because we were still building back then. I said, great, praise God. He said, as soon as I get home, I'll send you the money. I said, fine, that'd be great. A week went by, two weeks went by, five, five months went by, a year went by, no money. And uh, then it was a while I didn't see him at the uh, conventions. Um, but he never did sow the seed. And then when I finally did see him, this is what he said to me. He said, I know that I said I was going to put $1,000 into your building fund. He says, but when I got home from that meeting, all hell broke loose, and I needed the money. I'm like, oh, missed it. Missed it. Don't you understand that God was preparing you? Like God didn't know what was happening at home when you got home, that God was preparing you that if you would have sown that seed, things would have gotten straightened out instead of taking five years or as long as it did take. I was like, God's trying to prepare you. I didn't tell him that, you know, but, but I knew God was trying to prepare him for what was coming up. Sow the seed and the doors will open up. Amen. Haggai, chapter 1, Haggai, chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, it is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. See, what was the problem here is that the people were being covetous. They were not being covenant people. They were sure to take care of themselves, but they didn't look to walk in God's assignments. I would walk in God's assignments, you know, if I had more money. More money for what? More money for you to take care of you. And when you feel like you're satisfied with you, what you got, then you'll have something for God. That, that's not right. See, God wants covenant people to where we walk in his assignments. And the assignment that he has us to walk in is based on the ability that he's developed on the inside of us through the word of God. 
And then as we get involved with his assignment, we find out that things even in our personal life starts to increase. Why? Because I'm sowing my life into his assignments. I'm sowing my money into his assignments. I'm sowing my effort into his assignments. Therefore, my life continues to increase. There's one that scatters, scatters financially, scatters in giving of themselves, scatters in their effort, giving, deeds, good deeds, sowing, and I'm reaping. I'm receiving back increase. You know, we, we've taught this for years with Ministry of Helps, and I don't know if anybody ever got a hold of it. Because I know people would just scratch their head and say year after year after year, they didn't believe it. But it was the more you get involved in working in functioning in the things of God, the more your life will increase. You're supposed to learn to operate functioning by the spirit of God within the ministry of helps so that you could take those things you've learned and operate them in your life. It's not about being a warm body to be a volunteer. I hate that word, volunteer, especially in the body of Christ. I'm a volunteer. <sighs> See, because you have no concept of functioning within the body of Christ. And it's not a volunteer position when God's a rewarder. He knows how to recompense those. Amen. If you're a volunteer, then you're expecting nothing for in return, even from God. You're not a candy striper in the body of Christ. We don't want you coming in with those dresses either. <laughs> so, again, they were being covetous and not being covenant people. The love of money is to not trust God not to obey God, and not even to look to God. It's just that my automatic response is, what's in my checkbook, what's in my savings account, what do I have, am I able to? And if so, then I will. See, that's, that's not trusting God, not looking to God. That's actually made your money into an idol. Are you with me? And then what happens many times is when increase comes into our life, we get into fear. And I get into fear because I don't want it to go back to the way that it used to be when I didn't have anything. But it's your fear that brings you back to the way it used to be because what you fear comes upon you. This is classical poverty thinking. It's the third person in the parable of the sower. They hear the word, but then the desire of other things and the deceitfulness of riches and the care of the world enter in, choke the word. It's poverty thinking. So it's not about just increasing with wealth. You've got to increase in your soul. This is why salvation is for your soul as well as for your finances. Your soul has to increase. You've got to get out of that old way of thinking that creates all your problems. Otherwise, when increase comes, you're just going to throw it at all those problems and you'll be back to where you were. Amen. Amen. We've sown seed and we gave to God to get to where we are today. And it's the same principles that will continue the blessings in our life. When we had no money, he gave us the power to make wealth. Now that we are increasing, do we look to our finances? Or is he still the one that gives us the power to make wealth? We might feel like in the economy that we're living in today, it's made it impossible to give. 
Well, remember the way it was and how you got out of it. The power is in the ability to sow seed and receive a harvest. The power or the lack of it is never in the circumstances. You never have the lack of increase because of the circumstances. Your econ the economy of this country is not what determines whether you're going to increase or not. has no bearing on it. You're not in the world. Well, you're not of the world. You're not part of that world system. You're part of the kingdom of God. Start thinking that way and get out of thinking like the world thinks. We wonder why things don't get better. Because we're still thinking like the world. Amen. Amen. The power to make wealth is not in your circumstances, and the lack of it is not in your circumstances. God always, always gives us the power to make wealth because the power is in the seed. It is vitally important that we continue to deal wisely in the area of riches. Jesus looks at how we handle the unrighteous wealth to determine how we will handle and if we will be uh, yeah, faithful and if we will be able to handle the true riches. He looks at our handling of the unrighteous wealth to determine where we would be in handling the true riches. Amen. So what he's saying is if you can't handle the, the wealth that's in your hand that's part of a temporary system, how are you ever going to handle the wealth of a system that never passes away? Amen. 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 Deal wisely in the area of riches. Tithing, giving, sowing seed. Never stop the power that causes us to make wealth. You know, pretty much every restaurant we go in, in town, they all know us. All the servers know us. And all the servers want us at their table. Because we take care of them. Because we believe we should. Yeah. I'm not trying to bribe somebody to get me extra drinks or something like that, you know. I want to bless them. They're working. You know, they're serving. They're working. Service, serving is not an easy job. Anybody ever been a server? One, two, three, four, five, six. It's a lot of work. You know, it's not easy. And even if we go to, like, the China Buffet, you know, you get your own food. They clean up the table. They get your drink. But I'm still going to leave them, like, a 30% tip on the bill, at least. See how quiet it got? Most people want to give them two bucks because, I mean, what did, you didn't do nothing for me. I got my own food. What does that got to do with it? It's about blessing people. We're blessed. Why? But only if they bring my food. But only if they keep my drink filled up. But only if they this or only if they, no, you're blessed to be a blessing. So you're either going to be a blessing or you're going to put conditions on the blessing. Aren't you glad God, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah.
We don't want to turn to our own vision and turn from that wealth-making power. The anointing in our finances will remove the burdens and destroy the yokes as we walk in the salvation promises and our finances and step into his assignment that's in us and make it our vision. Simon's mother-in-law, the assignment. The woman of the house serves the guest. She made that her vision and her purpose. She took it on. That's who I am. That's what I do. I can't do it because I have a fever. Oh, but now I'm well. Here we go. I'm back in my assignment. Are you with me? Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I hope this is helping you. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... Every time you read that, you ought to say, that's me. I am the sower. He supplies seed to the sower. Seed is not to eat. Bread is to eat. And he supplies bread for food. And he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness or the harvest that comes from the righteous acts of giving. Because giving is a righteous act according to Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus spoke about it. So... He supplies seed to be sown. The bread is to be eaten. And he will also supply and multiply your seed for sown. So the more that you sow, the more seed comes back to you. And the more that you sow, the more seed comes back to you. And the more seed that you put out there, the more harvest. Not just a harvest of your righteous giving, but he'll increase the harvest of your righteous giving. So that's the pathway to increase in our life. Isn't that right? God supplies the seed and he supplies the bread. Just don't get them confused. Don't eat your seed. If he continues to supply, then we need to continue to trust. We need to continue to sow no matter what level we think we're at. You know, when I first started sowing seed, $5 was about my limit. And that was stretching it. Because when I first got saved and, you know, my kids were in the hospital a lot. And I didn't have any money to pay the hospital. So I'd wait for every three or four months when they'd send me a letter and say, you're getting ready to go to the collection agency, I'd send them $5. And then it starts the process all over again. I don't suggest that, but that's what I had to do at the time because I had no money. And um, so when I got saved, of course, I got an understanding of tithing, and that about choked me out, 10% of my income. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, so this was stretching it. And then I remember when I got to a point to where now the Lord said, you will never give less than $50. I was like, okay, glory to God. Because as the increase continues to increase, your seed sowing should increase. Should always get more. Any more. I have trouble giving less than $500 now. Amen. I mean, I'm pretty much regular offerings. 
you know, the time the Lord told me the first time to give $10,000. That was not on a regular basis. It was just a one-time deal with $10,000. You know, I about choked out on that. You know, my wife and I, we held hands tightly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, God was faithful. He uh, watched over his word to perform it. And part of that was getting into this building. And if, I think it was a, a number of years later that he bumped it up to 20000 And uh, that, uh, that was another one of those deals. Like, you know, I'm listening for three witnesses and a song from the choir of heaven <laughs> to prove that this is true. You know. But we did. And again, you know, what you see is a result of that seed being sown. That's what we were believing for. So um, as harvest comes in and he continues to what? Supply and multiply your seed. So seed is to multiply. You never stay at the same level where you're at. Because there's a multiplication factor. God is not one to add to you. He multiplies yes, he to you. And multiplication is greater than addition. Isn't that right? Amen. So the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they were millionaires. They couldn't even spend their money. Why has God given us the power to make wealth? Number one, covenant. Number two, to step into his assignments. Amen. And you know, when you get involved with God's assignment, there's always plenty left over for you to live on. It's called the 12 baskets full. You know, there's always plenty left over. He wants, he'll take care of you. Isn't that right? Amen. He's the best boss in the world. Hallelujah. God was desirous of meeting all of Israel's needs. He wanted to meet every one of them. Their wealth was to promote his assignments. And as a side issue of that, all their needs would get met. He would take care of them. He took care of them in the wilderness. He would take care of them in the promised land. He would take care of them all the time. And then what they had was for his assignments. Amen. He has delivered us spiritually soulishly, physically, financially, touched every aspect of our life. We are redeemed from the curse yes. in our bodies. We're redeemed from the curse in our finances. We're redeemed from the curse of pressures and stresses on our soul. We're redeemed from it all. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. And we have to renew our mind to that fact. I am the redeemed. Well, how do you know when you're redeemed? Well, when I feel, no, no, no. It's not when you feel anything. Well, when I have, no, no, it's not when you have anything. You are because the word of God says you are. Yes, yes, I know that I am. No, you don't know. You don't know unless you got it working. It's got to be working in here before it gets working out here. 
And a lot of times people say things like, well, I know what the word says, but it's just not seem to be working because you're not working. You got to get it working in here. It's got to come alive on the inside of you within your spirit. You're a spirit being and out of your heart comes the forces of life, not out of your mouth. It only comes out of your mouth unless you're, if your mouth is attached to your heart. Then out of your heart, through your mouth, comes the forces of life. But if they're not connected, you're just mouthing. And we got to get our minds renewed. Get our soul restored. You got to go beyond the renewing of the mind and into the restoration of the soul. Where the whole bent of your soul changes. Your whole material of thought is totally different. I don't even think that way anymore. I don't even bend that way anymore when situations come up. I automatically bend to the Word of God. I automatically bend to what God says. I automatically bend to the promises of God. The voice of circumstance means nothing. The voice of lack means nothing. The voice of my God means everything. And that's all that I know. It's all that I know is what God says. Are you with me? Amen. Dealing with our soul. Dealing with your soul is part of being covenant people. Being covenant people, dealing with your soul, keep you out of being covetous people. Step into his assignments. You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own hearts. It's actually plural. He was a man after God's own hearts, which means he was a man after the wills of God. That he would always be looking to walk in, the w- in this, the will of God. 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 He was always looking to walk in the will of God. So he was a man after God's wills. Or a man after God's own hearts. Because he always looked to walk in the things of God. And that's the way we have to get to be. You got to get out of your favorite thing that you want to believe God for. I just care about this. You need to get off of that and start being a covenant person. Well, you care about everything because Jesus paid for it all. That we will not allow the sufferings of our Lord to be of no effect in our life. He paid that price. And we're going to take hold of what he has provided. People of covenant. People with purpose. People with assignments to be to accomplish in life. And God's given us what we need in order to fulfill that. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got something? Thank you, Jesus. See, I have taught you to fight the good fight of faith. I have shown you the things that are going to bring on this earth. I not allow you just to hear what I'm saying to you, but I teach you to see things to come. This day, this is an hour that I will bring the will of the world back to my body, back to where they belong, back to what I have intended to be. If you're the one that's going to take hold of the riches of the world that will come to the body of Christ. So I have taught you all these good things. 
so you can contend, you can walk in, you can live, you can take hold of what I have shown you, what I have said to you, what I have teach you to encompass the path in the last day, in the last hour. This world will not, the world cannot hold on to, but it will come into your hand to have an assignment that you will send out to the world to do the task that they call them to do. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, a number of years ago, it must have been about 23 years ago now, that God started blessing us uh, financially in, in a number of different things. And, um, you know, being a kid brought up in the slums of Brooklyn, we didn't really have anything at all in growing up. And through my life, a lot of times financially things have been a struggle. So about 23 years ago, God started really blessing financially. And to my discredit, I was like a kid in the candy store. You know, it was like for the first time I had finances that I did not have. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't help people. You know, we did some things. We helped some people. But I spent a lot on me. You know, I have to be honest about that. And I say that to my discredit because... I got my eyes onto the wealth and got my eyes off of God. And, you know, there's that scripture that says you will look and your enemy will be no more. Yeah, well, it was you will look and your money will be no more. <laughs> you know? And that's what happened. And I wound up back in the position that I was. I learned a very valuable lesson to it. And I learned, um, I repented, learned a valuable lesson from all of that. And some of those things are what I'm sharing with you today in these sessions that we've been talking about on, on Sunday because I don't want you to go through the same thing that I went through, you know, because uh, there is great promise attached to the things of God. God wants you to enjoy it, but he wants you to be wise with it, and he wants you to do the things that needs to be done with it because he wants to continue to bring increase. He don't want to sit back and go, well, I tried, but, you know, so, you know, second time around worked better than the first time around. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, the Holy Spirit's the best teacher. Uh, circumstances and, and all that is only second rated, you know. So um, <clears throat> let God be your teacher. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let the word teach you and um, don't take on what I took on. So you can be above all that. I know, I know. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you bring these things back up on the inside of us, <clears throat> that we'll hear them again, that we'll be able to mull over them, meditate on them, ponder them, and Put them back down into our spirit, that they will grow and produce fruit after their own kind. Father, I come against anything or the, any attack of the enemy that would try to steal this word out from their heart. And I say that you have no right, you have no place, and you will not steal from them. And I speak, Father, to the seed that it produces, that it grows. And I speak to the locusts that they will not steal the harvest when this word is ready to produce fruit after its own kind. 
And I say that you have no right, no, you have no place, you locusts, you will not eat their harvest. But I say that they will be the people that will produce fruit yes. in their life. Yes. And they will give glory to God with the fruit that is produced. And Father, I just thank you <coughs> that you continue to watch over your word, to perform it. And Jesus, that you will confirm your word with signs following. That as we take this word with us, that we act on this word, that signs will follow us in our life. That it will be as you have declared, for you are not a man that you would lie. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you for that. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithe into the storehouse, the opportunity to sow seed. And, Father, I just thank you so much that there is always promise attached to giving, that whenever we're obedient to you, promise is always attached to it. But, Father, we don't come to you to give just to get. We're thankful, we're grateful for the harvest. But we give to you because we honor you, we love you, and we're thankful to you for all that you are and for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, that as we do receive back the bread for food and that we do have an increase of seed and fruit produced in our life that we will have to share with others and seed to again sow back into your kingdom. We bless you and honor you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. If you need an envelope for credit card or cash giving, there's an envelope on the seat back in front of you. If not, if you will raise your hand, the usher will serve you. If you joined us on live stream or on podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. It's always an honor to share the word of God with you. And we believe that the word of God went forth today and seeded into your heart. That if you will give yourself to the seed, the imperishable seed of the word of God, then that seed will grow and it will produce in you. And that which is produced in you will be produced from you. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, please let us know. It is always an honor to pray with our partners for your need to be met. Amen. Amen.